he's been committed to a smear campaign. When you sometimes set the record straight, people say things. A bruising battle. I was astonished that he would go to such great lengths to make up such lies. Is anyone questioning all that she's put on television, on radio, and in print against me? Allegations of corruption and defamation. A repeat race for Congress, this time, though, an added choice. But I make it my point to make sure that your voices are heard. I'm looking forward to bringing your tax dollars back to you. Are you homeless, sir? Is there any way that we can help you uh, go to a shelter? From life on the streets to Virginia Key. We have a great park for families. There are environmental limitations to this space, but not a location, not a viable location. The backlash and the backstory from a man with a mission. I don't want to hear from the whiners. So all they do is complain and have no solutions. The big news and newsmakers live this week in South Florida. Good morning, glad you could join us. I'm Michael Putnam. I'm Glenna Milberg. We begin this packed hour, though, with the crossroads of a crisis unfolding on South Florida shores. This morning, more than 300 migrants that ended a dangerous and desperate voyage on South Florida shores are in custody of Border Patrol, the most recent in an increasing number of landings. The overloaded boat in question made it to Key Largo, where it ran aground. Those on board are Haitian, and this has all the earmarks of a human smuggling operation. Local 10 News' Parker Branton is there to get us started. Parker, good morning. Michael and Glenna, good morning. Just over 100 Haitian migrants were bussed out of the Ocean Reef community here in Key Largo. Agents telling Local 10 News that some of them were severely dehydrated. Let's take you to these images just off of Key Largo that were coming into our newsroom Saturday afternoon. In these pictures and videos that you are going to see, you will even see some of these migrants jumping off of that vessel trying to swim to shore. Agents saying the majority of these people on the boat were adult men, though there were some women and children there as well. This packed sailboat was surrounded by boats from multiple law enforcement agencies, including the U.S. Coast Guard and U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Now, according to the Border Patrol, more than 200 migrants were taken onto a Coast Guard cutter in addition to the 113 that came ashore. Border Patrol saying they're now working to identify the smugglers who brought so many people on this dangerous journey. And if this all looks familiar to you. That's because back in March, 356 Haitian migrants made their way to the same spot at Ocean Reef on Key Largo. Border Patrol saying these smugglers who keep coming here have no regard for the human lives on board their boats. And Glenna and Michael, I can tell you, we did ask agents why exactly these migrants are ending up in the Ocean Reef area. They say it's really just a landmark for these people that they might have heard about to give them an idea of exactly when they have made it here to the states. And as far as those men, women and children, migrants, we are told that they are at a U.S. Coast Guard station right now being evaluated as this situation and investigation is still happening as we speak. For now, we are live in Key Largo this morning. I'm Parker Branton. Glenn and Michael, back to you. Parker, thanks very much. All right, we want to get some perspective on this increasing number of Haitian migrants trying to reach our shores and local reaction. Mary Estime Irvin is a North Miami Councilwoman. Right now, though, she's wearing the hat of vice chair of the National Haitian American Elected Officials Network, and it is so good to see you again with us today. Mary, put into perspective what we are seeing increasingly. We were at the border together in September where 15,000 Haitian nationals were waiting for their chance for asylum. What has been transpiring over the past few months? 
Well, thank you so much, um, Glenna and Michael, for being on your show. It's always a pleasure to be here. Unfortunately, we're still talking about the same um, issues again. Um, as you know, it's been a year and a month and, and, and some days since Haiti has not had a president. Haiti has does not have a political system or a, 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 a structure, and this is causing this. Um, as you know, I've attended several press conferences along with our Congresswoman Frederica Wilson and along with um, Congresswoman Sheila Sherfless McCormick when we have personally have asked for more security, more, more security to help Haiti. Um, since October of 2021, there's been almost 7,000 um, migrants trying to get wow. in, and it's because of the insecurity. So as vice chair of the of NEON, of the Haitian American Elected Official Network, we are in communication with the state um, department, and we've had conversation and continue to have conversation. You know, I'm glad to hear that there is an increase in dollars for security, but obviously, the if there is if there is instability in haiti there's always going to be these yeah. crises and as you can see people are willing to risk their lives now imagine why would someone risk their lives just to come here so this i hope that we realize that this is a humanitarian crisis and we are talking to the biden harris administration and actually i would love to have a conversation i would love for them to have a conversation with neon to help um um to see how we can um, um, leverage um, this and what we can yeah. do to make sure that um, we don't have these migrants coming in risking their lives, yeah, risking their lives. Mary, excuse me, you're right. I mean, it is a desperate thing uh, for somebody to get on one of these unseaworthy boats. I mean, this boat had more than 300 people packed on board, and the boat that stopped uh, off uh, Ocean Reef just a couple of weeks ago had 356 to get on board one of these boats, you know, bespeaks the desperation, the chaos, the violence that is going on in Haiti. And frankly, I've got to say, I hear a lot of lip service from the Biden administration, but I don't see a lot of action. And so, as you know, we, like I've mentioned before, we are pressing, we're talking to the State Department. Now that you've given me this opportunity to share, I am publicly asking the Biden Harris administration to speak to NEON. Um, as you know, we are a network of almost 200, about 75 Haitian elected official network, I mean, elected officials throughout the United States. Um, and like a story that I love to tell when this administration wanted to be president, they came to Little Haiti saying, hey, we're going to be a support system to your community. So now we're asking you again, please, we need your help. It, it, no one would risk their lives to the point of death. We've had several deaths um, in Puerto Rico, in the Bahamas. Why? Because there's insecurity in Haiti. And Why? Because the gang members have taken over. So, you know, we're, we're pushing. Um, look what happened yesterday. Uh, we are pushing, we're pushing, and we hope that this administration is taking this seriously. Let, let me, to your point, and, and let me just point out that in, especially in the Florida Keys over the past couple of weeks and months, Cuban nationals have been making landings too. Uh, and just this week, um, some fatalities on that account. I mean, it's just a, a heartbreaking and desperate situation. 
on a lot of levels. And so many people looking at this, Mary, as a national security situation, including one of the Border Patrol agents who commented yesterday. Ocean Reef Club on Key Largo now in just the last couple of months, the exact same landing spot. Does that speak to a dedicated route that smugglers are taking? And if so, should law enforcement be zeroed in on that route? So as Americans, you know, we, 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 we need to um, secure our borders. But again, we need to realize that this is a human, we have a crisis in Haiti and they're crying out for help. And so if we have policies that would help provide that help, maybe we wouldn't have that. Uh, understood. Let, let me just, um, th there is a split now that Parker just reported on 200 people on a Coast Guard cutter and 113 ashore. We are hearing at the Border Patrol intake station in Dania Beach. So the people who, who desperately made this voyage are now split into two groups. Who decides and by what standards, what happens to them vis-a-vis -vis deportation or uh, the ability to make an asylum claim? How is that determined for these people? Well, we're definitely advocating for anyone that has made it here to please give them an opportunity to stay here. But I would hope that at least at minimum, the 113 that are here, that they're provided an opportunity to, to seek asylum or to seek any kind of refuge. Um, again, taking a voyage um, and risking their lives we have to open up our hearts and we have yeah. to realize we need to do something. And yeah. again, I hope that this is this is pressing on the Biden administration, which hopefully is looking at this or, or have their staffers looking at this show to realize that we need to do something and we need to do it now. And I think part of the solution is providing the security in Haiti, you know, assisting, um, assisting Haiti finding a Haitian-led solution so that their country can continue to flow, to yeah. move forward. Mary, we're going to leave it there for this morning, but thank you on short notice for joining us and for your insights. And uh, let's pray the situation improves in Haiti, thanks to you and your group and others. Appreciate you. Thank you so much again for the opportunity and, and thank you for having me in the show today. Of course. And up next, the most bruising race possibly of vote 2022. The candidates for Barrett and Palm Beach County's Congressional District 20, they will join us live. The battle for a congressional seat representing Broward and part of Palm Beach counties is just one of the nastiest we have seen in a long time. Current Congresswoman Sheila Sherfalis McCormick won that seat to succeed the late Congressman Elsie Hastings by just five votes. Now, former Broward Mayor Dale Holness, the candidate who came that close, is trying again in a bruising rematch that involves lawsuits and allegations of corruption. But there is an added extra this time. Another Democrat in the primary, current state rep Annika Omfroy. And all of the candidates are here today to be with us to kind of duke it out, not a formal <laughs> debate, but a, a good conversation. Good morning, and, everyone. And there you are. Good morning. good morning. We're so glad you're here. We're going to do morning. our very best, Lena and I, to make sure you have time to make your comments on a kind of an equal time basis. Uh, but we're going to get right to the questions. And first, Mr. Holness, I want to ask you, give you the opportunity 
to say on camera, well, you want me over here, okay, say on camera what you have been saying about the Congresswoman in your ads, which is that she bought this seat in Congress with six million taxpayer dollars, which she allegedly, quote unquote, embezzled. What is your evidence of that? Where's your proof? So, so there was never any statement from me that she embezzled the But that money. appears in your ad, Dale. No, it doesn't appear in any ad. There was a text that was sent out that I didn't review, wasn't consulted on, uh, didn't have knowledge of it until after it was sent out that mentioned that. But he didn't call the, the Congresswoman out. He didn't mention her name, didn't mention, didn't reference her. Uh, so it was a, a, a statement of uh, opinion by someone within the campaign, not me. Uh, but let's look at the issue. The issue is uh, she claims she made all this money, but when you look at the tax liens filed by the federal government in uh, 2019, $467,870. In 2021, $243,041. In yeah. 2019, well, again, another yeah, one, $6,000. Excuse me, it's, it's indisputable. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you. It's indisputable that uh, Ms. Sherfellis McCormick made a lot of money by administering vaccinations to thousands upon thousands of people through a contract with the state of Florida, but I haven't seen any allegations she did anything illegal to earn that money and, except and, from you. And, and nothing has said, I, I didn't say that any place other than in reports that there is something shady, that she gave 261000 to a Republican PAC, and she claims it's not, but Mark Goodrich, who coordinated campaigns for many Republicans, got paid 150 thousand out of that and has been on our team. Mark Goodrich worked for uh, Rudy Giuliani. He also worked for Ed McDougal, who was Trump's campaign coordinator. It, it seems as if that after she got the contract, the Republican PAC got this money back to Mark Goodrich somehow. It, there's, there's, something, there's something questionable there, uh, Mr. Putney. So, Congresswoman, um, let, let's kind of broaden this conversation out. This truly has been a mudslinging campaign. I think the voters of District 20 want to hear some of what the achievements and platforms that all the candidates that they have to choose from. You have been a sitting congresswoman for a very short time since last November. Um, well, I had covered your campaign back then, and you stood out from a very well-known crowd by telling voters that you were advocating a universal basic income, $1,000 a month to low every low-income constituent. And um, people we know really hung on that promise. What is the status of that promise? Well, we actually filed that bill in Congress a few months after we were elected. Right now, the bill is actually in Ways and Means. But in addition to that, we appropriated funding to Catholic Charities specifically for this reason. $3.2 million will be going to Catholic Charities. And the reason why we are taking this approach um, is because we know that the community still needs the work, needs the money. And that's why we're going to make sure that some of it's going to be funded in 2023. In addition to that, my opponent has been leading this misinformation campaign this honesty campaign, and it really shows his inexperience 
experience in understanding federal legislation and the many ways we could pass a bill, directly passing the bill, directly having an amendment, but in addition, the length of the um, process, the legislative process. And I did want to actually address Mr. Hollis. Um, another thing that has been displayed on his attacks is his inability to actually do research and really understand even PAC law. If you look at the PAC that he's referring to, if you Google the name of the PAC, it will take you to Montana. But if you go to SunBiz and you actually look at the FEC reports, you would see the one that he's referring to to that one in Montana, they never received any money on the FEC report. If you look at the PAC we were actually working with, it's actually a liberal woman who helps get women elected. But I'm not sure if it's inexperience, a lack of knowledge, or is it deception? Because we see that of deception. We've seen the deception with these fake palm cards. We received so many phone calls about people from his team picking up ballots in old people homes. And we also see him actually now talking about, I didn't say it, but you had a mailer. So this election really is about integrity, honesty, because the people in our district, they've been fighting every single day to live a better lifestyle. And I've been able to bring money into the district. $676 million has come in as we move money from Treasury. We've also brought in the vice president. Right. Congresswoman, um, let, me, let, me, let uh, me jump in here. Uh, we really yeah, have to bring a deal hold on just a minute. We have yet to hear from State Representative Anika Umfroy. Uh, we're sorry, uh, Ms. Umfroy, your campaign has sort of been drowned out uh, and under the radar because of the nature of this, you know, very intense race between your other two candidates. What is your main issue here? Why are you the best choice? I'm the only one that's been a legislature for the past four sessions in the Florida House of Representatives. I serve on the most powerful committees in the Florida House of Representatives, appropriations, commerce, and I'm the ranking Democrat on agriculture and natural resources appropriation. So I actually know how to pass laws and have passed laws. This year, I passed uterine fibroids research and education, which became law on July 1st, which affects between 70 to 80% of the women in our state between the ages of 30 and 60. So I know how to pass laws, I know how to create laws, and I know how to walk across the aisle. Can we just, as long as you're talking about the laws passed, so many laws that passed this session statewide are, are, have been so contentious, and one of them, of course, and we're seeing play out on a national level right now, are abortion uh, restrictions. Florida has new abortion restrictions, and on that very contentious note, you were a Democrat that did not vote. Why not? I actually wasn't there. I was actually sick. So if um, research was done, you would have noted that I was not actually at work for that entire week. I was actually sick and out for the entire week. Okay. So that's the reason I didn't vote, and I after voted. I am pro-choice for all women. I voted um, in 2021 or 2020 to have parental consent on abortion for minor children. That I stand behind. Um, however, I am pro-choice for adult women, and I did after vote, but I was not actually in session that entire week. Okay, uh, and that was not to, meant to be a dig whatsoever. It was a question why, and you answered it, and you also stated your position. So that was very informative. Thank you very much. And as long as we are on that, if we can really quickly, uh, before we hit a break, Sheila Dale, state your uh, nationally as we watch abortion rights under fire in many states. State what you, uh, where you stand on that to, to constituency that is um, in some ways fairly conservative on social values. Sheila, you first. 
Well, I'm proud that we passed the Women's Health um, Act, which was codifying Roe versus Wade. I believe that all women, especially marginalized, low-income women, need to have the right to make their own decisions in families. Because at the end of the day, the only people who are really going to be hurt are families who are trying to have children, families or people who are in situations where women are not protected, who are actually exposed to incest rape. So this is not the way for us to go. But more importantly, I've taken an active stand and stood with other members of Congress to ensure that we did what we need to do in Congress. And this is not the end. We're fighting hand in hand and making sure that we're electing Val Demings to the Senate so we can pass that in the Senate and bring it to the president's table. That's our position. And the fight it will not end until we satisfy that. Yeah. Dale Holness, before we hit that break, your position. So, so certainly a woman's right to choose is fundamental. It's, it's human rights. Uh, when you look at our district, the low-income people that exist there, if these laws are in place that DeSantis and, and the Republicans want to put in place, it's going to harm them even more than others because they won't have the money to travel elsewhere. And that's the reason why so many latch on to this idea that they were going to get $1,000 a month. And that's not what's being proposed, by the way. It is a one-time HR 7700 is the one-time amount that would be given. Uh, the, the, the fact is this, it was not sold about process. I understand the process. I've been elected for many years. I have experience uh, in, in dealing with the issues. So to say that I don't have experience, 18 years on, as an okay, elected... Okay, wait, we... Yeah, we're kind of off topic. And you know, Commissioner, we're, we're kind of off topic here, but we'll come back. We're going to take a break, speak more with the candidates for Congressional District 20 in just a minute. Today on This Week in South Florida, the three candidates for Congress in uh, District 20, which means most of Broward and some of Palm Beach counties, uh, the incumbent is Representative Sheila Sherfillis McCormick. And Congresswoman, I want to ask you a question in one of your ads. You leveled some serious charges against uh, Mr. Holness. You say, quote, Dale Holness is clearly working for the Republican Party. Well, what is your proof that Mr. Holness is working for the Republican Party? Well, after my election, I won the primary. He was working directly with Mariner, the Republican who was actually running against me. And this wasn't just like us who actually saw him working with them, but we also saw some of his um, campaign employees there. We even had a situation where one of his campaign employees put on a Democratic shirt and was giving out Mariner's information. But also, we have to look at the strategy, the negative campaigning, creating distrust amongst the voters, making them think that there was a fallacy in the election. That was a lawsuit he bought that he dropped. Then he moved on to now these allegations of um, me working with Trump. All this negative campaigning has been exactly the blueprint that Trump has used and that we see DeSantis is using also. But more importantly, I want to go back to the deception and the inexperience, or maybe, I, you know, I want to say it's inexperience, but the bill that we submitted to the floor was H.R. 7929. It clearly says that we have $12,000 payments for the entire year. So when you add deception plus manipulation and trying to deceive voters, it's concerning. So back to what I'm saying, that what we are looking at is someone who doesn't have the integrity and the character necessary to fight for the community in Congress. Because if you think you can win here with lack of integrity, dishonesty, you're not going to even move without understanding the legislative process. And I want to note something else. Just because you're in county commission, you do not stand into the purview of federal legislation. Okay, let, so me, let me just jump in here because yes. we, everyone's got to start somewhere because you were a political novice too, not quite a year ago. So 
you know, that, that said, I, I think the negative campaign theme I really want to dig into. We, we actually have the text that was from Dale Holness's campaign on a graphic that I hope we can show. Because it's ve to, to Holness's point, Mr. Holness's point uh, a segment ago, it does not technically accuse Sheila Scherfelis McCormick of anything. And here's what it says. We're running a campaign powered by grassroots and supporters. We don't need to embezzle six million in taxpayer dollars to buy a seat in Congress. Our opponent may think she can do that. Dale Holness, you're right. You never name names. You never accuse technically of everyone. But there is no doubt to anybody looking at this, whether you knew about it or not, that this was suggesting embezzlement of your opponent. So the question really becomes, now that you do know about it, do you stand behind tactics like this? Is this befitting a candidate for Congress? So had I seen that text, it wouldn't go out. Uh, now, let, let's get to, to the issue of... So do was, you stand behind was, those tactics, though? That's no, kind no, of... No, 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 no. I want to make sure that we're, we're saying clearly what is there and what is not there. What's clear is that Sheila, she lies, clearly. Uh, she lies that, that, that I'm working with the Republican. That's an absolute lie. She's making up a whole story on that, okay? I've been at the forefront of working for Democrats, never worked with, for any Republicans before. Jesse Jackson's campaign, Bill Clinton's campaign, utilized my office as their call center. Barack Obama's first place to operate 24-7 from in 2008 was my real estate office. As a result of my work with him, I got invited to the White House first Christmas party. I've, I've been at the forefront. Everyone in the in the community knows. You know yeah. that. All of you yeah, know yeah. that I've been at the forefront of this. You know, now, Commissioner, in terms let, of let me, campaigning, let me just jump more in. Out there than I yeah, have. We get it. Now, we get it. Let's, you, let's deal with the issue yeah. of Dale, hold on, hold on just a minute. Uh, we, we get, I'm sorry, we get your point. We know you are a Democrat. You've always been a Democrat. Uh, Representative Umfroy, I need to ask you about something. Tony Mann, the excellent political reporter for the Sun Sentinel, uh, is reporting that you are listed by Moms for Liberty, a very conservative, mainly Republican conservative group, they are listing you as their preferred candidate in this race. Did you seek their endorsement? I have not. I have not sought out any endorsements from any organizations at all. And I think it's very interesting. From none? You didn't ask none. any group to, to endorse you? I have you? not asked any groups to endorse me at all. I didn't do it in 2016 when I ran. I didn't do it in 2018 when I ran. Um, and so, no, I have not asked or filled out any endorsement forms for any political organizations or groups. All right, well, whether you asked, excuse me, whether you asked for Moms for Liberty to endorse you or not, I mean, I they are a far right group. They have every right to believe what they want to believe, but do you want their endorsement? I don't even know who Moms for Liberty is. Um, so I, I can't say I want an endorsement from an organization or group that I don't know what they are or what they stand for. Okay. And I am a Democrat, have been a Democrat since I got the right to vote. Um, I registered in 2016 um, before I could vote, and I've been a Democrat from the very beginning. I come from a political family of Democrats. My aunt is a Democrat and has been for the past 26 years a major elected official in our area, and I have been a Democrat from the very beginning. I work across the aisle just like Joe Biden does, President Biden does, but I have never been anything but a Democrat. 
So here we have three Democratic candidates in the primary. District 20 is such a Democratic district. There is a, there will be a Republican candidate that one of you will face in November, but all political observers agree that whoever wins this Democratic primary will likely be the next or, or current Congress man or woman. Um, and as long as we're talking about Republicans, uh, again, we're up against a break and we can come back after the next, next segment, but Sheila, Sherfulis McCormick, we're up against the midterms across the country. The face of Congress may change a little bit. What's wrong with working with Republicans? Dale Holness, why don't you take that because we're going to effort to reconnect on Zoom with uh, the Congresswoman. So what, what's wrong with dealing with Republicans? So, so I can tell you this, that uh, well, I'm, I'm my, in my tenure on the County Commission, uh, we had uh, one Republican on there and we worked together for economic development at our port, at our seaport, and, and other economic issues. We had differences of opinion on many issues. However, I'm not saying you can't work with Republican, but who's that Republican? I'm Mark Woodridge, who's an operative for Trump, uh, who, who supported uh, Ed McDougal, who became uh, Trump's uh, coordinator. That's, we can't be in bed with Trump and Trump's people. Uh, when you look at the state uh, contribution list from the Florida Department of State Division of Elections, you can see the contributions that were made by she she uh, Sheila to them. She's saying she didn't make these contributions right here on record. Anyone can go see. You can right. also see when we, the when payments we come that's back, made to you know, Commissioner, when, when we come back, we can get her answer to whether she has contributed to Republican causes. Everybody stay with us. We are back with Dale Holness and Sheila Sherfulis McCormick and Annika Umfroy, who are vying for the Democratic nomination to run for D20 in uh, Broward and Palm Beach congressional seat. Uh, we were talking last segment about, well, I'm going to call it bipartisanship. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about who is the most staunch Democrat in this race. Annika Umfroy, you worked. Uh, as a state lawmaker in a very conservative legislature, Democrats at the state level didn't get much done, some, but not much done this session. So what is wrong on a national level for Democrats in D20 to be working with Republicans, especially after what's to come in the midterms? I have gotten a lot of stuff done in Tallahassee. I passed law unanimously dealing with women's health. I worked on the police reform legislation. I also worked on redoing how we do our, our uh, VPK system. So I believe that it is possible to get lots of things done if you stay focused on working on the issues that align with the issues that need to be handled for the people of Florida. And I know how to do that. I worked across the aisle to make sure canal stabilization was included in the Florida Resiliency Plan. I brought back $30 million to my area within two years. I understand what it takes to work across the aisle, and I'm also very, very aware of how to navigate through the waters that are sometimes very difficult to get through. Yeah. And as the only long-term lawmaker, even though I've only been in the process for four years, I'm prepared to do that, to work on the issues I can work on. Congresswoman, uh, the biggest issue, I think you would agree, in mm -hmm. this congressional district, indeed throughout of all of the, the state of Florida and this country, is the sky-high cost of living. People 
ordinary people are paying nearly $500 a month more for the goods and services than they did a year ago. So what are you doing as a member of Congress to help bring down the price of gas, the cost of uh, groceries, uh, transportation, all of these things? What's your approach? Well, a few a few weeks ago, we had Marsha Fudge come into our district. She's the secretary of HUD. And the reason why she came into our district was so we could start looking at the district and start appropriating money that's directly going to come into the district. With that and after that conversation, that's where we found $676 million with the Department of Treasury that we could divert into our district so we can build not just affordable housing, but now we're seeing working class families are having housing problems. So that means we need to build affordable housing and workforce housing which is imperative. In addition, we have been fighting tooth and nail. Earlier this year, I introduced a gas tax relief bill. And in addition to that, we had the president who was negotiating gas prices. If you've noticed over the last 40 days, price, gas prices have been going down. And that's the goal, to make sure we get um, gas prices going down. But in addition to that, we're looking at the price of food. And it's really important that we, we've been able to identify um, that, well, there's fertilizer shortages because of the war. But in our district, we're unique where we have so many farmers here who produce the highest number of winter farms. So we're working with them to bring more organic foods into the district. We funded to have more food coming into the district. And many of my community projects have been strategically at reducing the price of everyday. Okay. I, Congressman, we, I think we see where you have been working. Uh, out of fairness, uh, Dale Holness, uh, this would be, if you are a member of Congress, the number one challenge for you would be bringing down the cost of living. What would you do? Uh, certainly, it's important that we look to do that, uh, to bring it down. And, and, and we have to focus heavily on housing because the cost, cost of housing is tremendously high. Now, what, I what I'm proposing is that we expand the choice voucher for Section 8 and target those to new housing units and a portion to those who are really in desperate needs today. We have many of our seniors that unfortunately are having a difficult time finding place to live. We, it creates a tremendous amount of cost and homelessness. We must work with, in partnership with our local government. In, in Broad County, we were one of two counties that actually dedicated ad valorem taxes, uh, 20 plus million dollars over the past two years towards actually building affordable units within the community, targeting communities that are the poorest, that have the greatest amount of needs. That's what we must do. We must work with our cities, our counties and, and do some public-private partnership also to ensure that we are working to reduce the cost in every avenue possible. But also, we have to look at those who are in fixed income and see how we adjust that. Our, our seniors who are on Social Security certainly don't have enough to meet their needs. And we should look to increase the Social Security benefit by raising the, the, the limit on which someone earns to pay into Social Security. What that will do is immediately bring relief to those who are seniors okay. who really can't go work anymore to earn any more money to meet the needs that they have. Okay, and in the one minute we have left, Annika Amproy, take take a crack at that. Your ideas, your your one minute of ideas of uh, affordable housing and this and and helping people afford. We need we need to increase housing congressional district twenty by a hundred thousand. We actually need to have congressional district twenty become a special district. The state of Florida only has one special district, and that's in Southwest Florida. And what that special district would do it HUD would come in and actually build housing 
um, training programs to increase the capabilities of the people in the district to be able to go towards technical jobs that will raise the income levels within the district, as well as building housing. We need to expand the HUD voucher program, uh, rental voucher program to increase the amount. Congress needs to pass that so HUD has the ability to do that. We need to make sure that we do a housing crisis needs to be declared so that HUD and the USDA can do rapid urban and rural housing. All right, we have that's to going to be as uh, a complete representative. I, and I that beg is your pardon. What my mission and vision is. Okay, I beg your pardon. We are out of time. We want to thank all three of you for being here today for a robust discussion, and we apologize if we have occasionally had to interrupt you to give your uh, opponents some time. Uh, but we will see what happens. August 23rd is the primary. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank all you. right. Up next, you want a homeless settlement on Virginia Key. The Miami City Commissioner at the tip of that spear is here. Joe Carollo next. This week, Miami-Dade County leaders blasted a proposal to house as many as 100 homeless people in a cluster of tiny homes out on Virginia Key. Signs are now a shelter there is really a non-starter, but what a way to get attention to the dangers of street encampments that one commissioner was looking for, and that Miami commissioner, Joe Carollo, joins us today. Commissioner, we love having you on the program. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Good morning, both of you. So, good morning. So, Welcome. Af afternoon, actually. So, this was, you know, you've been working on this issue for months. This plan came into public view pretty suddenly, uh, maybe not to you suddenly, but to the public suddenly. The Virginia Key of five sites was stamped optimal, and it was like the grenade. Was that attention what you were trying to get in the first place, and now you have it? No, this uh, is a plan that we've been talking about in the commission uh, since way into last year. And since I came back uh, four and a half years ago, uh, I've taken issue with this because Miami has become the only place that the county wants to dump all the homeless countywide. Uh, the records that we have found already show that the majority of the people that are arrested for homelessness are coming from unincorporated Day County or other cities. And instead of the county letting them out of their jail in unincorporated Day, they let them out inside the city limits of the city of Miami. And this is why we have such a huge homeless population that they want to keep here in the city. But frankly, uh, we're not reinventing the wheel. The tiny homes that we're talking about, uh, they're in many, many other cities and states across the country. From yeah. Seattle, Seattle, Denver, we, we Denver, we, we, Dallas, yeah. New York, yeah. uh, Portland, L.A., Tennessee. You could go on and on and on yeah. and on. Yeah, yeah. Commissioner, we're the right or from the you're, left. You're right. You're yeah. you're not you're not proposing something that hasn't worked in other areas. And first, in I fact, would just like to fact, take a take a fact, let me take a second, if I could, Joe, to pay a tribute to you because I believe sincerely that you have been looking for a solution. The homelessness, I've seen the video of you out there talking to people asleep on benches saying, can we help you? Can we get you into a shelter? So 
good on you for all of that. But Michael, Virginia, thank you. But for, you're welcome. But Virginia Key, really, it just seems wrong on every count. Uh, I mean, well, are you really I, serious about Virginia Key? We, we are, let me tell you the three points that if the county doesn't want us to go there and the three points that have forced us to look at sites like Virginia Key, all that the county has to do is help us in these three points. One, they need to make available for us through the homeless trust uh, and others, uh, bets every night, uh, bets that we're paying for already. The city of Miami is spending this year over $12 million in giving to homeless uh, organizations, the bulk of the homeless trust. And what happens when our people call them many times, if not most of the times, they don't have shelters available. Two, they have to have their police uh, through their uh, uh, jail system, stop letting them out uh, in city limits. If these are people that have been arrested outside of city limits, in unincorporated Dade, in Hialeah, in uh, West Dade, South Dade, Homestead, they should be let out in the jail in unincorporated Dade where they were brought to, not in the city of Miami. Yeah, and Commissioner, uh, we, we just, look, uh, we're going to get Ron Book, chairman of the homeless Miami-Dade County Homeless Trust, and we'll get him to answer some of those questions. But let me go back again. Virginia Key, there are no social services, no water and sewer. Uh, there's no grocery store nearby. I mean, if you, it would cost a lot of money, no security. Uh, nope. How would this work out there? Michael, it's not going to be anywhere near as costly as they're trying to make it. In fact, look at these. You see these? Look how nice they are. Here's some more colors uh, that you have. So, you, you know, to your point, Commissioner. These you, you... are right. No, no, no. But excuse me. These are not the ones that we're going to put out there. These are out there already. They're so... out there in Virginia Key. They're being rented for $65 a day. This $2,000 a month. We have more bathrooms in Virginia Key that are needed uh, for a small city. So if we you have Virginia dozens Key, dozens of bathrooms Virginia in Virginia Key, Key everywhere. Virginia Key and the historic trust there and the county involvement in that, you you acknowledge this is going to be a fight, but to your, to your point and to your credit, it is now well, focused upon <clears throat> getting some kind of help from the county to the city. That's what I hear your message yeah. as. Well, they, for them to do what's right. The county hasn't care about people having to live in the streets under the elements uh, as long as been in the city of Miami. No one's talked about it until now. Why? Because now uh, we're getting upset, uh, some of the elitists, that even five miles away from them is yeah. too close to have well, homeless. Let me, Joe, I've got to do a little, I, I, you know, we really, I apologize. We need more time for this. If we get Ron Book on this show, will you come back? and talk in Absolutely. a conversation in fact, Ron with Ron. Ron sent me a text saying that he loved the idea of tiny homes. Well, so I, I would we, like to we talk saw, to I saw it. his quote too. And let me just say for the record that as far back as Alva Chapman, Miami-Dade County has been working on homeless issues. They didn't discover them yesterday. So, thank Joe Thank you, Correo, and we gotta go. Thank you, we gotta go. <laughs> thank you.
Thank you so much for being here with us this hour. Remember, we're online 24-7. Stay informed, get involved, have a great Sunday.